Welcome to the weekly edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> Along with my co-host, creator and founder of Second City Sports, Miss Lakeem McGee. I am Sydney Brown. This is for this is the weekly edition for August 17th, 2020. And you can find yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram. All right, Sid, we got a busy, busy show. Hopefully Jason will join us in a little bit, but we'll get right to it and, you know, he'll, he'll join, jump in. Um, the NBA starts playoffs in the bubble, if you will, the bubble playoffs, I guess you can say. They start today, not too long from now. We're recording this on a Monday. So we're going to go, you know, you know, break down a lot of, like, the matchups. We'll start in the East. You got Orlando and the number one seed, Milwaukee Bucks. So, and Bovada actually, it's interesting because Bovada, their odds, they actually have no clue. Usually you can kind of move the needle as to who is the favorites and such, but they really don't have a favorite considering everything that, that went on. So... What do you think? You know, is there a clear cut, clear cut favor before we talk about these matchups? Do you think there's a clear, clear cut favor to win the NBA title? I don't think so because even though there's a few injury, a uh, couple of injuries to a couple of key players, we'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, besides that, everything is even because, as you mentioned, we are in a bubble. Um, most of the teams are evenly matched, and you know, there's a there could be a possible upset or two in this first round of these playoffs. And I'm really interested to see uh, who's going to bring it, who's not. And let's be honest here, Lakina, it's, all, it's about seating and matchups for the NBA. But remember, no home court advantage. So uh, who's going to be extra hyped up to play? Who's going to play out of their potential? Uh, who's going to drop off? Who's going to pick it up? I can't wait to see what happens. Well, I think the unknown, that's kind of the exciting part, right? The unknown of these playoffs, mm-hmm. you don't know, with everything going on. So I'm interested to see how these teams respond. I mean, can we'll talk we'll talk about the Blazers Lakers matchup. That's the I'm sure that's a matchup that the Lakers did not want. So we'll just see how far they can push them and you know, will there be any up bigger big upsets in the east? So I'm looking forward to these playoffs because I think, you know, look, we waited all this time. You know, the, the bubble, the, these bubble games, if you will, were really good. And, you know, Phoenix's future mm-hmm. looks very bright. So, you know, and Dave, Dave, you know, Dave Lillard is playing out of his mind. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, look, this should be a fun, you know, especially the circumstances and everything. So I'm looking forward to see what, what happens here. Yeah, I cannot wait either. Just real quick before we check out any of the Portland misses the game from Saturday because that was very entertaining. Yeah, by that, that game. was. I know Dane Dowell didn't go off, didn't go off as, as much as he did the previous games. And shout out to our, 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 my mind is blanking. Uh, Nursich uh, from um, his grandmother passed. Nursich, thank you. His grandmother passed away because of COVID 19. He had the game of his life, and so you can tell his teammates really rallied behind him. And I, we all already know what a great player he he is, and so he he stepped it up on Saturday, and, and he helped Portland achieve that uh, number eight spot, which they'll face the Lakers coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that'll that'll be fun. I think you can tell if you if you heard what Dame and CJ McCall, who had a big game in that playing game with the with the Grizzlies. Um, basically, say that they are—they are kind of rallying around him. So, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to see, you know, Blazers got actually got a deep fence that the Lakers don't have. So that's probably like the one event that they do have the lack of depth mm-hmm. for the Lakers. So you wonder if, especially if they get pushed to like six or seven, which could very well be the case. You wonder though, could this, maybe they catch them sort of napping and they, they can pull off the upset. All right. Yeah, I'm waiting for the playoffs. Let's go to the Eastern Conference first. All right. Let's talk about, okay, then you got the number one seed Bucks against the number eight seed Orlando Magic. Where do you see this matchup? Uh, I know Orlando got lucky last year, stealing game one at Toronto, the current defending world champs, and they lost the rest of the games of that series. Do I see that same scenario happening this year? No. Could they steal a game? Yes. Could they steal two or more? I don't see it. So uh, I have my issues with Milwaukee this year. They are a very good team, but can they put it together in the playoffs? We shall see. But I think they have enough up and down their roster to um, dismiss the Orlando Magic. I know Orlando technically has a home court advantage because the ball is down there in their home state. But uh, besides that, Orlando has no shot. I'll give them one game in the series, but that's about it. Milwaukee should win this one easily in five games. And, well, you know, remember the Magic, they're not going to have Mo Bamba, who's being evaluated because he was diagnosed with, with COVID. So that that's going to be a problem for them. You know, the, the, could they win a game? Maybe. But I, I think, you know, Giannis and the others are on a mission. And I think that that just isn't going to be enough, you know, to sort of pull off the upset. I mean, could they, could they maybe the Magic still won? You know, sure, of course they can. But I just don't see it. They did it last year against them, but I just don't see it happening this time. No, they'll get one game, but that's it. Bucks and five. All right. So you got Tor- Toronto and number seven, Brooklyn. Where do you see that? Oh, <laughs> just about the same thing, correct? I know Jamal Crawford was picked up right before the ball for the Brooklyn. I don't know if he's back or not. If he is, they may push Toronto for a couple of games. But if not, I still like the young roster with Karis LaVert and, and, and Jerry Allen. But Outside of that, I don't think they have a shot against Toronto. Toronto, as we talked about on the show before, Lakina, even though they don't have Kawhi Leonard, that is a well-stacked team led by Kyle Lowry, the point guard who finally overcame his demons of playoff pressure last year. He had Fred, Fred playing for Van Fleet, uh, Rockford's very young, coming off the bench. He performed well in the playoffs last year. Yes, Pascal Siakam, a first-time All-Star. So I like, I like that roster of Toronto. They're stacked. And they should beat Brooklyn. I think they will. I will say another five-game series, but Brooklyn has the potential to push it to six. But I'm going to go on the safe, safe side and say the Raptors in six. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I go like I said. I think they could. Yeah, I think they could. I, I was going to say like maybe Raptors in five. I've said it before, and I've been saying all these months until someone beats Toronto. They're sort of the team to beat in the East, so I'm going to stick with that. And I think, could the Nets win maybe game, maybe two games? Yeah, but I don't think they're going to win the series. So I would say, I would say the Raptors in five, because I just think that they, they want to, you know, repeat and they, you know, I think unless, until someone beats them, you know, they're, they're not, they're not going to be beat. All right. Um, let's see. You got three versus six. You got the Celtics and the, Oh, okay. So I guess Sydney's having problems with his uh his uh phone. So we'll all just you know press on here. You got 
number three seed Celtics against the number six seed Philly. You know, Simmons being gone, you know, he's not going to be able to play because of injury. I think maybe this might be sort of like the last stand for Philly. You know, there's, you know, a lot going on. So I'm a, I'm a little sort of, you know, I think Boston, you know, they got, they got Kimba there now. Yeah, Jason Tano's been, you know, having a hot hand. So I really believe that this is going to be a very interesting, could maybe Philly steal a game or two, maybe, but, you know, we'll see. All right. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we've had some technical difficulties, but says back with us. Hopefully, Jason will be joining us in a little bit. Um, where were we? Oh, Boston and Philly, the 3-6 matchup in the East for the NBA playoffs. Here on Second City Sports Zoom style. Um, you know what, uh, Sid? I think Boston, you know, if Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, if they all play well, I, I think they could – I'm not saying that they could sweep the Sixers, but considering the fact that Simmons is gone with an injury, I, I just don't see – the Sixers making this a series. I just don't see it happening. I'm with you, Lakita, on that. Joel Embiid's dealing with a, a couple of injuries, uh, issues of his own. So I think Philadelphia could pull one game. But one of the teams I mentioned um, on this show for the past few months is the Boston Celtics, Campbell Walker. Uh, he replaces Kyrie Irving. Uh, he's had a, a, a great year in the all-star type season. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have both taken their games to the next level. So I think this is the year the Boston can make a move to at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Of course, they're led by head coach Brad Stevens. So uh, due to Philadelphia's injuries, I, Boston should should sweep Philadelphia, but I'll give Philadelphia one game. So I have Boston in five. All right. And as far as the 4-5 matchup, should be a good one here. You got the Pacers and the Heat. Both teams you know, kind of had their struggles in the, you know, during the bubble but they kind of, you know, got, got together Like This could go seven, I think, Sid. And I, this could be – you could probably, like, flip a coin, and, and you probably would be right on whoever wins this series. Yeah, I have this series going six. I have the Miami Heat because they play more of, of a, a defensive scheme than the Pacers do. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a playoff veteran, as we saw here in Chicago with Daryl Rose, even though they couldn't always get along on and off the court. But that part's another issue. But with that being said, I like their young talent with Bam Abadeo, uh, first-time All-Star this year. You have uh, Kendrick Nunn, uh, Derek Jones, and so you have some other uh, role players, uh, young role players down there in Miami as well. So, and they play together uh, better than what the Pacers do. I know the Pacers are all offense. I know Malcolm Brockton, uh, uh, former Milwaukee Buck, he's the new point guard now. I think Victor Oladipo is back. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but I know T.J. Warren has had a career. Uh, not just a career year, but he really took advantage of the games down there in the bubble. So uh, the Pacers, I think they can keep up with the Heat scoring runs, but defensively, I like Miami better. So this series should go at least six games, and I have Miami in six. Should be a fun one. I, I think, like you said, so I think just I, I'll give the slight edge to Miami because of their defense, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know like which Pacers team we're gonna get. So. I know Derek Jones here had that scary collision, you know, but it was like he might be yeah. all set. Um, TJ Warren is sort of one of those players where he's kind of emerged through this bubble. So, but, you know, Oladipo's been sort of up and down. So I don't know, but I'm going to give the Heat the edge. 
not feel for our, for our buddy Elena Tushar since she's a big Heat fan, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just think that their defensive scheme is a lot better than the Pacers. If I had to choose between the two, which defense that I trust more, so we'll see. Going out to West, we talked about a little bit more about the Lakers and the Blazers series. I mean, look, this is going to be interesting because, like I said, the Blazers have a deeper bench, so that might help them sort of push this series to six or seven. So, you know, the Lakers had their struggles near the end of the bubble, those bubble play-in games, well, round-robin games, if you will, in the season game. So what do you think about this series? Well, for the Lakers, uh, it's all about LeBron James. Uh, well, he's, you know he's going to bring a comp play all the time. It's really going to be about three things. Anthony Davis, will he show up, especially in the fourth quarter, because now he has a bona fide superstar at his hip to go through the wars of the playoffs. Number two, who's going to come off the bench? Uh, um, the players that they picked up, Deion Witters or J.R. Smith, can either one of them give them valuable minutes? Uh, coming off the bench. I think that's going to be key. And number three, Kyle Kuzma. He's going to be that third guy to help uh, step up and give the Lakers that secondary scoring. He did look good towards the end of that bubble, especially on that game-winning shot against the Denver Nuggets. So Kuzma's been up and down all year. So let's see if he can bring it uh, for the playoffs. Like you said, Lakina, the Blazers have a deeper bench, but I think of the experience that the Lakers have on the other side will give them the edge. Me personally, as a fan, I hope this series goes seven, but I'm going to take the Lakers in seven. I was going to go with them in six, but I'm going with them in seven. And we'll see how much gas that the Blazers have because, you mm-hmm. know, LeBron, LeBron didn't play those last couple. I know AD played in the second to last, but I don't think he, I don't think he played at all in the last um, game, the you know, regular season game that they played. So they might, they might be the fresher team. So We'll see if Dame Lillard still has some energy because he exerted this all this energy to these bubble games. I mean, he said, "Look, I don't want you know to waste my time." So, but then again, you know, he won the MVP for the bubble unanimously. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I, I like I said, I'll say the Lakers too because of experience. And like I said, I want to I want to how much gas in the tank that they that the Blazers still have because you know. That shouldn't be, you know, this disputed that, you know, these, these sort of these games kind of take a lot out of you. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. if Dave still has some, some energy. We'll see. Should be a fun series. All right. The two versus seven matchup should be another good one. You got the Clippers and the Mavericks. This might be probably the more inter- another one of those low versus high seeds that could be very entertaining. What do you see this series? Uh. If, if the Mavericks weren't playing the Clippers, I would say they could pull off the upset. And I think Luka Doncic will have at least one game that he goes off and he gives Dallas a big win. But the Clippers overall have a better roster. They have a deeper bench. And so uh, for that reason alone, I'm going with the Clippers. I think Montrez Harrell is back now. I know Lou, uh, I think he's back now. Lou Williams is back now from his little um, extracurricular activities away from the floor. We talked about that before. But with that being said, uh, the Clippers just have too much scoring power over Dallas. Uh, Luka will have at least one game in this series that he goes off, and in the, in the, in the Mavericks will win a big game. But I, I'm, I'm seeing the Clippers are a better team. But I think this series will go surprisingly to six games. So I'm picking the Clippers in six. I mean, you know, Luka, I think Luka, they get, they get like maybe a game or two. Um, like I said, I think the experience, you got the experience factor in the playoffs. That shouldn't be disputed. So. 
this might be another one of those series where don't be surprised if it goes maybe five, but then again, this don't be also be surprised if it goes six, and this could be another one of those series that could be like that as well. I, like I said, I, I have the Clippers in six because I, I think the da- Dallas is good enough to win a game, win maybe two games, a game maybe two games. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, I, I think look, yeah, Paul George he's to step it up in the playoffs because he doesn't usually show up in the playoffs. I know Kawhi wants to, you know, be like the because he would be the first player to ever win championships with with three different teams. We've seen it done multiple times with guys winning with two teams. No one has done it with three teams. So that's another history making, making you know, motivation, if you will, for Kawhi. So I, I just think that the Clippers are more talented, you know, from top to bottom. So I'll, I'll give it to the Clippers in six. But it should be a fun series. Mm-hmm. Another fun one, three six in the West. You got Denver versus Utah. Too bad Jason's not here because I know he loves that Denver team. Um, this is sort of a, one of those series that's kind of evenly matched. So I'm I'm kind of like sort of wondering where do you see this series sit? Because I think this is one of those series that can go either way. I agree with you, Lakina, but it all comes down to injuries and you know, Bogdan Bajanovic, the uh, three point shooter for Utah. He's going to be out, and so Utah they just don't play uh, enough defense for me consistently. I know you got Rudy Gobert, the Cypher Tower. Uh, he, he controls the paint for them, but I don't see them having enough scoring power to match up with the Denver Nuggets if the Nuggets start off playing their style. You know, I know Michael Porter Jr., he's come on as of late in the bubble. You still have Jamal Murray, even though he struggled during the regular season. You still have Jokic, who looks, looks great dropping 30-plus pounds uh, since he had COVID. So, I and of course I have better players like Jerry and Grant and Gary, um and uh, not, I'm I'm skipping the name or two here in the, here and there but um I like I, I like Denver's roster overall and you still have Paul Millsap there so with that being said Denver should win this series and I'm taking them in six. Uh, uh yeah this is be another one of those sort of very interesting kind of sort of series but like I said before it's all about depth it's all about you know defense I think look I don't I've been trying to figure out if I could trust Utah but then again Denver hasn't given me a reason to trust them either so this could be one of those toss-up games toss-up series if you will so I I think I'll I'll give it to Utah just because you know there's more talent on that team Jamal Murray did kind of emerge late in the bubble he had his struggles early on Um, remember Mike remember Mike Conley is not with the team right now he's he left to to uh you know, be there for the death of the, I mean, the birth of his son, my, my bad. And uh, it's just sort of going to be one of those things where, I don't know, I mean, which, which team do you trust more in these situations? So I'll give it to Utah just because there's more talent there, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets, you know, beat them. All right, probably the, say yeah, the, another fun one. yeah, speaking of, speaking of fun ones, this should, this is probably going to be one of the most entertaining series uh four or five in the west you got houston versus okc uh this is gonna be fun i'm already like entertained (laughs) this is the old order is probably gonna be like one like 60 or something like that for each of these for like the like the first you know first half so that's probably how the scoring thing is um look this could go either way i think this i think this is gonna go seven but i think houston wins just because the talent there's a little more talent in Houston than there is with OKC. But look, don't be surprised if the Thunder pulls off, which would be, I wouldn't say it's an upset, but you never know. 
I don't have to disagree with you, Mr. Lakeen. I'm going with OKC in six because the injury to Russell Westbrook will set that that Houston Rockets team back. Do you know I don't trust them because as I always say, they're a regular season team, but when it comes to the playoffs, it's a whole different story. It all starts with James Harden and their head coach, Mike D'Antoni. I know they're going with small ball now, and the top, tallest player in the starting lineup is Robert Covington, Chicago's very own. He, he's playing power forward, so I, I, I know what kind of style that the Rockets play. I just don't trust it. Plus, Oklahoma City has been uh, the surprise story of the league all year long. Uh, Billy Donovan should win coach of the year. We'll see if that happens. But with that being said, Chris Paul has held their roster together. He's a distributor. He's made other guys uh, better, like uh, uh, Gildas Alexander, uh, Danilo Garonari. still has life left in him. So uh, I'm looking for those young players to step up. And Chris Paul is the anchor of, of the team on the court. So I'm going with OKC and six in an upset. Yeah, that's just, well, well, will there really be an upset? No, though, Sid, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think this, this is a four or five. I mean, like I said, if Houston wins a six or seven, I wouldn't be surprised, but, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you will see. I mean, like you said, I mean, the Westbrook injury, that's, that's a concerning thing. That's why I have them sort of hesitantly have Houston in seven, but, Again, I mean, this is sort of one of those series where a real this this series really could go either way because I just think that they're both evenly matched, especially with like you said. I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that many people would consider an upset because Houston is one of those next teams that are favored to win the title outside of Milwaukee, the Lakers, and and, and the Clippers. So I think that's why it's many people are calling an upset ship. OKC pulls this off. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, considering that everybody thought that this would be sort of a rebuild that CP3 would want to get out of the OKC through the season, but then, you know, they started to play well, and then everything stopped, and then they really played very well during the bubble. So, yeah, one of the playoff games is about to start right now, actually. So you you got the Jazz, speaking of the aforementioned uh, Jazz and uh, Nuggets, you know, they're actually supposed to about to start game one right now on ESPN. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, check that out, you know, after you know, the podcast. So, you know, that, that's your preview of the NBA playoffs. I mean, this is sort of like one of those, one of those, you know, series, well, this playoff sort of matchups that you could kind of like take your money and then you probably would actually make some money because there's really everything's sort of a toss up now. Like I said, Vegas has no clue who's going to mm-hmm. win. So, you could probably, you know, whoever which any of these sixteen teams, and you know, make some money off of it. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk some baseball. We'll talk about the you know the stuff in college football. Everything's sort of an upheaval now. A lot of you know people taking sides. Also, the NFL, they're starting their full pad practices, and there have been some very uh, prominent injuries so far. So for Sid, I'm Lakina. This is Second City Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you guys in a little bit. Okay. All right. Welcome back to Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. All right. Looks like we're not going to have Jason today, but you know, that, that's okay. Look, stuff happens, and you know, look, it is this pandemic. You know, things take top priority. So. You know, hopefully you can join us next week. Um, I'm Le- Once again, I'm Lakina McGee. You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter, at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram. 
You can follow yours truly, Sid the Kid, at Sid Kid 80 on Twitter and Instagram. Once again, at Sid Kid 80. That's S I B K I D A 0. That's S I B K I D A 0. And we are on iHeartRadio. Just type in War on Anchor. That's W A R R on Anchor. Type it, type it in your engine search on your iHeartRadio radio app. Download that app, and you can catch all of our fine programming, including this program, Thank You City Sports. All right. You can also listen to it on Anchor, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. So we've got many places you can yes, listen three. to listen to us, and also you can watch us on YouTube. Again, we we are regular, regular, we are regular on YouTube. So if you want to see our lovely faces mm-hmm. and our weird decor, or weird wall colorings in some cases, so you can, <laughs> you, you, can you can check that out as well. So a lot to get to in this this part of the show. Sid, we'll start with baseball. Um, we'll start with your White Sox. I mean, the White Sox were able to kind of keep from getting swept because they didn't look good on Friday. They got swept in the double. Uh, yeah, on Saturday, I should say, you'll be swept in the double headers. Mm-hmm. But you know, they made some history back to back to back to bat jacks. The second time they've done it. You know, they did it once in '08. Oh, the tenth time in history though that's happened for back to back to back to back home runs. So. You know, they needed you know, to sort of even that series with the Cardinals. So, Sid, what do you think? They had to sort of like a boost of morale, which is what they needed. Um, as we said, all, all season long, the Chicago Lights, like, their roster is built to put runs on the board offensively, especially by the long ball. Um, they had to win that, that last game on Sunday against St. Louis because they were on the verge of being swept. They were embarrassed on Saturday, especially in that first game. Lucas Giolito pitched up. His problem has been all year. You know, he starts off slow, then he picks it up and he sells down. Uh, against a good hitting team like St. Louis, you cannot do that because it'll cost you. You saw what happened in that first game on Saturday. The second game, they had the league of, of going late into the game, but but the bullpen, which actually looked good this year, has been looking good this year. They, they blew it, so. Uh, the Sox didn't have a chance to come back in that seven, um, seven inning short um, doubleheader game, so they got swept there. But yesterday, yesterday was big, and he got a, a great outing from Bella Typo. He's the only sure pitcher right now. Maybe Dylan sees uh, maybe can't see a victory every time they step out on the mound. So for, for the White Sox, it's got to be more consistent offensively. I know Tim Anderson is back from injury now, and he's back up leading the. Leading the top of that lineup, I know Dallas Cowboys. I mentioned a second ago, he called out his teammates finally last Monday. Lost at Detroit, and you notice how that team has turned it around. Minus Saturday, uh, doubleheader dip against St. Louis. So uh, I kind of like where this Sox team is potentially headed, but they got to keep it up because they got the Tigers in town again this week over on the south side before. Yeah, that big three-game series on the north side against the Cubs next weekend, you know, there'll be no fans for that. Yeah, that was sort of definitely a big win for the White Sox, something that they desperately needed. Eloy still diving into the stands, which I think is probably one of those things where you're glad there's nobody there. But, uh, you know, that, that's something that I think they got to think about long-term, getting Eloy out of there, mm-hmm. maybe putting him in the, in the DH position. Because I, I just – I don't want him to kind of break his nose or break anything else. Because he's trying to dive for a for a baseball, like I, I just I know he'll I know he'll 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 you know sacrifice his body, but I think he gotta think long term. But we'll see. I mean, like I said, the you know, the White Sox needed that win last night, so I think that 
hopefully that'll help. I mean, they got Detroit, like you said, starting tonight. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, this this team is capable of being, being right there. So, you know, they, they're catching Detroit a little bit of a tailspin. They've lost five in a row. So we'll see if they can kind of, you know, add to Detroit's misery, if you will. Speaking of the team across town, this is why I wish Jason was here. So I'm sure he'll have an explanation as to why the Cubs were swept by the Brewers. They were struck at, I think, like, what, like 38 times in that three-game series? I mean, Josh Hader was, yeah. you know, lights out. So – and they were actually close on a couple of those games. So that makes it even worse. But, listen, they're still 13-6. and six. You know, they're still well ahead of, in that division. Even in a 60-game season, this is this, – these are kind of series that's going to happen. I mean, it ha- it's happened to the Yankees. It happened with the Dodgers, with the Padres. So, I'm not worried. They, they start – you know, they have that double header against the Cardinals starting at about four, well, after four today. So we'll see, you know, Cardinals got to go across town, you know, all these, this, all these games they got to make up. So what do you think about the Cubs and should Cubs fans be concerned? The Cubs fans should be concerned with their bullpen, but you might have to be concerned about this, uh, the end of their starting rotation. The last great outing by their starting rotation was uh, Hugh Darvish on Thursday night against Milwaukee, so you can see encouraging signs from him. But besides that, let's see if Count Hanks can be consistent. Let's see if John Lester, this is about the time he falls off, but uh, remember, this is a strange year, so with a short schedule, so hopefully he has something left in the tank. But if you're a customer, you still got to be worried about that bullpen. Uh, they had a 3 nothing lead in Sunday's game against Milwaukee. They blew that. Uh, Saturday's game did not look good either, so uh, I'm you shouldn't be jumping off the bridge. Excuse the expression. Should you jump off the bridge? No. Should you be concerned with one eye open? Yes. But, but I want to see, as you mentioned, we can have that um, makeup uh, series against St. Louis. I think it's five games in three days. Yep. Two double headers in there. How both teams, but in particular for the Cubs, how are you going to manage that pitching staff? Because as I mentioned, that bullpen does not look good. And and if you can't hold down a well-balanced lineup like St. Louis. There's going to be some problems there. And remember, Chad Wood's going to be out for a couple of weeks, so that that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to sort of, you know, maneuver some things around, especially with this, these double headers that got coming up. Mm-hmm. So should be, like I said, it'll be interesting to see how the Cubs do. But, I, but like I said, I think, you know, of course you, you want – of course you got to ha- keep an eye on it. But like I said, this is sort of like one of those – even in 60-game seasons, they're like yo-yos. You know, they're like, you know, you go up and down constantly. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Going through the standings real quick. You got the Yankees, AL East, you got the Yankees. They've won five in a row. So, and they're, they're without some of their top, their top uh, guns. But, you know, guys have stepped up. So what do you think about the Yankees and how they've been able to do it? I mean, they, they swept Boston. Well, actually, they got a game tonight. They could <laughs> sweep Boston tonight. So what do you think about the Yankees? They have been on a roll lately. If they play the Boston Red Sox, they'll be undefeated. But that's not possible. So that's. That's not going to happen, but um, injuries are a big concern for the Yankees right now, as we mentioned on the last podcast. John Carlson, he's out for uh, many games. Uh, hopefully, you can keep Aaron Judge healthy. I think he's out too, so yeah. they still have uh, a good lineup to get by against bad teams, but if those two guys are missing, especially come playoff time, we get better teams. Uh, there's going to be trouble. I don't know if Garrett Cole's having a great year for that uh, for that, for, for his first year with the Yankees, after that earning that big contract in the off season, uh, their bullpen looks okay. But if you don't have those two boxes, 
Atlanta, especially come playoffs, I assume you win the AL East. Uh, they're gonna have problems. Well, yeah, that, that like yeah, I was say. I mean, luckily they've got the their lineup has sort of been picking up the slack for that rotation. So you no, know, we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, long term. I mean, Sam's gonna be out a few more weeks. Uh, Jed's gonna be out another week, maybe two. So luckily, like like you said, so luckily they're playing the Red Sox, who they they've just been they've just been terrible. So mm-hmm. well, we'll I mean, you know, we'll see what they do there. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, you're probably like, let's just get to the playoffs and we'll see, we'll see, worry about what happens yeah. from there. Um, Tampa's still within distance. Um, Baltimore, Baltimore's actually been really good lately. You know, again, yeah. go figure, but uh, I don't know if they'll be, they might be able to kind of, you know, get back to, you know, they might fall back to, although Toronto's having some injury issues too, so. Uh, you know, they, they, I, I said that they could probably would contend for the playoffs. That's not looking good for me right now, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what they do there. Um, the twins, you know, twins have been up and down, so is Cleveland, but you know, we'll see. You know, Sox are right there, we'll see, you know, but Detroit's right behind them, so we'll see what they do. Remember, they, Sox and Tigers, they played tonight. Um, the West, uh, you know, Oakland, Oakland. You know, once again, they've won four in a row. They're they've now are top of the AL West. Yeah, they swept Houston last weekend, so they're taking the control of that division right now. Will it be that way at the end of the season? It may be, but right now I'm not counting the Astros out. The Astros really need to get it going. Of course, they played Seattle over the weekend and took care of business there. So uh, I'm not declaring Oakland the winner of that division yet, but. Uh, if Houston does to get it together soon, uh, it, it will be over for Houston. So, but I'm not counting Houston now. I, I think it's a two-team break in that division. Seattle's back. Texas is going back to the old losing way. So uh, it, it's going to be between Oakland and Houston. But Houston has turned around very quickly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we'll see. I think Houston will get back into it. Um, I feel the same way about Atlanta. Atlanta's been having issues. They've won a couple in a row. I know Miami's at the top right now, but they haven't played a lot of games. They got a lot of games to make up too, like the Cardinals. So you gotta think that mm-hmm. you gotta think that that'll catch up to them sooner or later. The fact that they have to make up all these games, so you gotta think they'll fall back to earth. Um, Philly is sort of in that same situation, but they're still they're hanging in there too. They've won three in a row, so we'll see what they what they do there. Um, the Nationals, the defending champs, have have been struggling. So what do you see the a the NL East, I should say. I think that's still a division for the Atlanta Braves to lose. The man's not terrible. Jonas is a, he's a free agent. He decided to opt out. Uh, uh, they weren't doing that great with him in their lineup anyway after the first week of the season. So he's saying goodbye to him. Their, their pitch has been terrible. Uh, Philadelphia, I, I know they're mediocre around the first year manager, Joe Girardi, but I don't really see them catching fire. Uh, like you said, the Marlins having have been on fire ever since uh, uh, their break from the uh, quarantine from catching COVID outbreak there. But like you said, they have a lot of games to make up, and that's what you see right there. I just don't trust them either. So it's still Atlanta's division to lose. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Atlanta, once they, I think that once they get it together, I think Atlanta will be right there for the taking the, a, the NL East. Um, the Central, like we said, the Cubs are still sort of well ahead of everybody right now. So, you know, again, we'll have to keep an eye on like some of the stuff going on there. The Cardinals got a lot of games to make up, like the Marlins, like I said. So we'll see if they can kind of hang in there. 
But you wonder having to play all these games consecutively, all these double headers. You got to think, will that catch up to a team? We'll find out. Um, in the West, you know, the Dodgers said, "Oh no, no, no! You guys are not counting us out yet. They've won five in a row, five in a row." So, <laughs> you know, and then you know, the, the Rockies have kind of have been a bit of a, some some struggles too. So, what do you think about the NL West? I want to ask you about a couple of key players in that division. And I had this question um, wrapping around my brain all weekend. Uh, can, you safely, can you safely say that these two players are your top two candidates for National League MVP? And that's Fernando Tatis of San Diego and Mookie Betts of Los Angeles Dodgers. Tatis is so exciting. So. Yeah, I mean, look, Tatis is very exciting. I know White Sox fans. I know you. I don't. I, I'm surprised you haven't said that with such disappointment. <laughs> I mean, Tatis. I mean, he should be right there helping. It happens. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, but listen, Tatis was a, a big prop, big time prospect, and the Sox had him in their system, but they made a bad trade. They sent him to San Diego, and you know he's doing his thing up in San Diego. Bringing some excitement. Game Shield. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. James Bleeping Shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's I. I figured you see. See, you're still mad about that trade. I. I, I told you. <laughs> but uh. But yeah, I think. Look, I think he. Look, I think he's right there. I think if the Padres had a better record, I would think that maybe he would probably be right there but I think it's really bets to lose although I think I think I think Tatis is right there though I think it's between those two and I think because he plays for the Dodgers and the fact that the Dodgers will probably end up making the playoffs I think it'll, the, the edge will probably go to bets status wise I think you could probably say that they're both kind of even if you look through their, their their respective stats I mean you know, it's sort of one of those things where all things being equal, it comes down to like success success of the teams. Look, Charlie Blackman saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. wait a second, I'm kind of like sort of right there too." Yeah, I played in Colorado, and I, you know, I play at Coors Field where like the the ball, you know, the altitude, like you'll have like big numbers. But he could say, "Hey, I could, I should be right there too for NL MVP." So we'll see. Yeah, like you mentioned, it'll come down to the records of, of these teams, minus the Dodgers, assuming they win that NL West. Well, I want to go back to Charlie Blackman. And I also had this question watching one of their games last week against Arizona. And I, and I brought this question right before the season started. Should he uh, stay at this pace and hit over 400, even if he hits 401, 402? Should there be an asterisk because only because it's a 60-game season? Not to diminish his accomplishments, but it should be sort of after there. I mean, look, I <laughs> listen. We're gonna be looking at the lines. And it's not his fault. Don't no, no, it's not his fault, but yeah, I mean, this this stuff is no fault of his own. But yeah, I think look, 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 it's still an accomplishment. I mean, okay, yeah, it's sixty games, but look, he if if he, I don't think he's gonna stay at this pace. I I, I just don't think it's gonna, that's gonna happen. So, uh, I mean, I don't look if he is a if it's by if he finishes up with a you know, a you know over four hundred, I think you can't really take that away from him, even though it is a sixty game sprint. I mean, it's a still I know mm-hmm. people I know the baseball players gonna say, well, it was one hundred sixty two games, so it should be an asterisk. But look, the guy the guy did something that has not been done much, so he should get his props. And I'm just this is just me, but you know we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. 
we'll see. But I mean, like I said, this is going to be very interesting to see how all this plays out in the West because I, I think after the Dodgers, I think there's still going to be that that sort of that fight for those well, that wild card spot. So, you know, if Colorado can hang in there, I mean, Arizona may have something to say. They've been they've won four in a row. Um, the the Padres, we'll see where they are. They've been kind of up and down too. So. I think that after the Dodgers, I think that that was sort of like it's going to be a free for all for those last couple of spots in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. All right. So you don't, are you don't, you want to go to the, to the, uh, the gridiron or, oh, you know what? Let, let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's do that hockey first. Yes. Let's do that hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Not only the radio studio, but we got to do the best we can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll do our animated. Um, Hawks get a big win last night to extend the series. Crawford, you know, stand on his head last night, sort of, you know, keeping the Hawks, although some would say slim chances of breaking that, uh, breaking through and against the Golden, Vegas Golden Knights. So they look really impressive. Like I said, Crawford is sort of like, we had Pat, Pat Boyle on a couple of days ago and I think he's showing you, uh, Crawford, I mean, he's showing you why he's probably one of the mm-hmm. most underappreciated guys in the league. 48 saves. I think that's only like the second time in playoff history that a Hawks goalie has had that many saves in a playoff game. So do you think this will give the Hawks a chance to sort of, you know, extend the series even further? I think he does because it shows that Corey Crawford, he, like you said, he's done it before. That's why he had two Stanley Cups on his resume. He's done it before. He did it in game four to keep the Hawks in it. And what I was most impressed with with the victory last night was the, the team defense is the best effort that they've given from start to finish all season long. He has uh, the defenseman go forward, and this, this is what playoff hockey is all about. Uh, make sure you, you uh, block shots, uh, clearing the puck, and make sure you're getting winning battles along the board. Those Hawks defenders and the boards were doing that last night. And you'll notice that not, not many uh, second-chance um, shots were given up by Crawford. So uh, shout-out to, uh, to the Blue Liners and the other players that were playing, playing in front of him because you can tell Crawford was ready to go. It was a back-to-back situation. He was more more ready to go now. Game three on Saturday, the Hawks should have wanted to be honest with you. If it wasn't for that turnover, which led to the first goal by William Carson of the Vegas Golden Knights. If it wasn't the case, we would probably still be playing game three right now. And the Hawks would probably would have won that one. So if you want to be real about it, this series should be tied 2-2 instead of 3-1 Vegas. Yeah. But with that being said, the Hawks uh, can't hope they can be all, all this momentum. And take it into game five because let's be honest here, the pressure is on Vegas to still get one game. The Hawks, yeah, they're they're off the hook for now, but they still gotta go win another one to keep their season alive. Well, I, I, absolutely, and I think the power play, the power play, you know, killing the power, the, the penalty kills, you know, that was sort of the thing that you know that helped them yeah. last night too. So, you know, give some props to those guys and the, and the penalty kill. That that should be, you know, that they should be commended for that. Um. I mean, like you said, Sid, I mean, they, they should have won game three. I, I'm going to keep saying it to people. You know, and I think this should be a 2-2 <laughs> series and a best of three, right? So, mm-hmm. but, you know, look, the Hawks have done it before, come down from 3-1 three, three, to win a series. So, and it's been done before multiple times in, in, in NHL playoffs. So, it wouldn't be unheard of. Well, what, can they do it? I don't know. But, you know, look, there's always a chance, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, there's always a chance. It's really going to be tough because uh, you have to have every bounce go your way, and you have to have all the players playing um, outside their talent ability. And, and with hockey, hockey is almost like baseball, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, you got to have some luck go your way as well. And for the Hawks until last, until last night in game four, um, they drew iron like 10 or 11 times. Pat Boyle on our last podcast gave his stat. Uh, he was the, the Hawks were the number one team in the league to do that. And so far in these players, hidden pulse, but they, they cannot uh, finish the deal in, uh, in the back of the net. So hopefully those those chances will start coming in more, and hopefully the Hawks will start to take advantage. If you notice in game four last night, uh, the, the drink of Jula was crashed to the net and scored the first goal of the game. You could tell uh, the Hawks played with a different energy um, scoring their first goal. That was the first time they've done that all series long. So hopefully they can do it again. Actually, build up a 2 nothing lead before Vegas cut it to 2 to 1. But hopefully the Hawks can take that same game plan and implement it here in, in game five. That, that, that iron's been unkind to the Hawks this whole round robin. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully they can overcome that because ugh, that, that just, just, you know, there's nothing more annoying in hockey than your the puck hitting that iron on that goalpost. It's just like, it's one of the worst feelings <laughs> in the world. So, yeah, um, Patrick King on Saturday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. I mean, I'm sure he's still having nightmares about that. That goal that should have went in, but I'll digress. But, um, as a whole for the field, you know, the NHL playoffs, real quick before we move on. Um, the Islanders look really good. They beat the Capitals. They're up 3-0 in their series. I'm shocked by that one. Yeah, that is that is shocked because I, I would have thought that maybe the Capitals, especially, you know, they still got Ovechkin. They still got those some of those guys from that Stanley Cup team from a couple of years ago. And, you know, they're just being dominated right now by the Islanders. Yeah, Anders Lee, the goalie for the Islanders, has really uh, performed well. Of course, you have uh, Barry Trotz, who's the head coach of the Islanders, and now the former head coach of the Capitals, and then previously before that, the National Predators. But they really kept out with Ovechkin on the score sheet. I think that's been the biggest difference so far. Now, I can watch the comeback from three love. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe they can get a game, maybe two. But uh, the Islanders, they should move on. But these are the Stanley Cup playoffs, even in this strange year, anything can happen, but uh, the Islanders do look good right now. I did not expect to bring up the series lead. I don't think anybody did. If you ask you know, how first, they probably would not have thought that this, this series would be one game away from the Capitals being eliminated. It's just insane. Um, Stars and Flames, they're tied at two. So this is sort of one of those series that it's sort of like, you know, you don't really know. It's sort of evenly matched. You don't know which team you're going to you know, we'll win this series. This could, this could, don't be surprised. This, this is what could go seven, Sid. Oh, but it does go seven. Calgary's a young team led by Johnny Gordo, a.k.a. Johnny Hockey. Uh, on the other side, <laughs> you have the Dallas roster in, in the Dallas Stars. So it's been an offensive series so far. Uh, who, who become up big with the big stops the most in terms of goals? So I'm taking it down to win because they, they have a better roster. But like you said, don't be surprised if it goes six or seven. Well, it won't go six games, but don't be surprised if it goes seven. Right. Yeah, I think it's like, well, like I said, this could be very interesting. Um, Montreal and Philly, I mean, look, I told you about this, this series, Sid. It's sort of weird that mm-hmm. Philly, would, Philly would lose like seven, with like six to one or something like that in game two. But yet they end up winning mm-hmm. yesterday one nothing. So, you know, again, this is how, this is how strange this series is. So... What do you think about the Flyers and Canadiens? Uh, 
I uh, hope that this Lions can win the series because they have a more offensive style to roster than Montreal does. But Montreal is physical. They can come at you defensively. Yep. So I think the Flash will have enough to, to hang on in this series. But this series could go seven as well. So, But I'm seeing that Philly will have enough to pull it out. That was a great goal, a goal, goalie win last night. Yeah, yeah, that was – yeah, he was standing on his head too, the goalie for the uh... – the Flames. St. Louis cuts into that lead against the Canucks. What do you see about that series? Vancouver's up 2-1. to one. Uh, A mistake of a young team coming back to find me. You know what? I was watching the end of that game last night. Uh, they had a penalty uh, at the two-minute mark of the third period uh, talking about Vancouver. They killed it off, but you can see that um, even though they forced overtime, St. Louis still had the momentum, even though uh, Vancouver grabbed uh, they, uh, St. Louis grabbed the lead for the first time in the series of regulation last night. Vancouver came back, but you can tell going to the late stages of the game, St. Louis had the momentum. They carried it into overtime despite uh, missing on the on their power play toward the end of regulation. They carried the momentum into overtime. And, and let's see uh, if they can um, carry it into game four. Don't be surprised if this series is tied to two. I did take Vancouver to win the upset well, St. Louis is not all but just yet. They missed a few key players last night. Yeah, yeah, they did. So I, I think I wouldn't look at, like you said, I wouldn't count St. Louis out because, look, they're a scrappy team. So I, I think they can definitely be sort of right there, kind of like to push Vancouver. Like you said, Vancouver is still a very young team. So we'll see what we'll see what they do there. Um, Tampa Bay, Columbus, Tampa's up two one. This has been an exciting series. So where do you where do you see this one, Sid? <laughs> Tampa Bay trying to re, um, redeem themselves after uh, being swept by Columbus in last year's playoffs. So, like yeah. you mentioned, they're up to one. Let's see who the real superstars are for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Steven Samkos, you still have Tyler Johnson down there. Um, you still have other, other prolific scores as well. Uh, third defenseman, Victor Hetman. Um, if you recognize some of those names, there were some of those names played against the Hawks in the Stanley Cup five years ago. But even though they're a little bit older, uh, they still have a, a deeper team. Columbus has always been built uh, from the goalie on up. They don't have a lot of firepower. And Tampa should win the series comfortably, but St. Louis, uh, nothing, nothing. St. Louis is up. But Columbus is always that strong defensive team that gets teams in trouble. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go six. Tampa should be able to win it in five, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to at least six games. Tampa should win this series, though. I think they're the much better team. And like you said, they've mm-hmm. tried to trying to redeem themselves from being swept last year. So I, I know they were embarrassed by that. So we'll see what they do there. Mm-hmm. Um, Colorado and Arizona. This is sort of another one of those series where you kind of uh. – Yeah, right? <laughs> I know, exactly. So where do you see this? Because <laughs> it, it's sort of – it's been a very uh, interesting series, I'll say. <laughs> Uh, Colorado, is all, for me, it's like that team that you, you're waiting for them to show up and, and get over the next time and go deeper into the playoffs. But on paper, they have the better roster than the Arizona Coyotes. I know that the Coyotes have been kind of one of the surprise teams in the NHL this year. But Colorado, led by Nate McKinnon and Gabriel Landis-Scott, uh, they had the more uh, younger and balanced team. They should be able to win this series. But until you brought it up, I almost forgot about this series, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. here and there it's like uh. <laughs> right i know right i mean yeah it's a sort of sort of strange how how all that works you know they <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I mean, Colorado is a better team, like you said, Sid, so I'm, I'm hoping that they can pull it off, but in, you never know. I mean, like I said, you know, Arizona is sort of, a, sort of another one of those young teams that could be very scrappy, too, so we'll see what they do. Uh, last but not least, Boston and Carolina. What do you think about that series? Uh, two grass opting out to go home because of yeah. family issues. So, uh, Yaroslav Halaka, um, who had his own um, personal achievements in the playoffs a decade ago with the Montreal Canadiens. I know he, he's bounced around the league the last few years before settling with Boston. But Boston has enough talent to defeat Carolina. Uh, I know Carolina lost to them in five, as we mentioned before, in last year's second round of the playoffs. So, I expect Boston to take care of business here. But uh, Boston may uh, have some trouble uh, uh, going down the road, and, uh, and they will feel the loss of Sukarat. Yeah, yeah, like like you said, I think right now they won't feel it because I think they they're a much better team, so mm-hmm. they should be able to beat Carolina. But like you said, if they have to play Tampa in the next round, if they have to play um, Philly or Montreal in the next round, I mean, I don't know how. I think they're reseeding it, so I don't know how they're they're setting this up. But yeah, they're reseeding the other. Yep. Yeah. So whoever they end up playing in the in the next round, whoever it is, I think that's gonna. That's going to be telling because I think that Ross, I mean, that, that, that took a Ross. When that story came out um, early Saturday morning, it was sort of like, okay. And then mm-hmm. you find out, and then, yeah, and then you find out that it was family issues. I'm like, oh, okay. This, oh boy. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting to see if, you know, the Bruins do feel, feel his, you know, the, his loss because I think he, he brings so much. He brings leadership, he brings scoring and, you know, tenacity and n- not having him there. I think especially later on in the playoffs, that's going to be big. So we'll see what they do. Um, all right. So I think we got all of them. Yeah, I think we, yeah, we got all of them, um, all of them. So look, I mean, we haven't seen any big upsets so far, but we'll see. I mean, like you said, you know, look, it's playoff hockey. There's nothing like it. So it should be, it should be a lot of fun these next couple of days. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see where everything is. You know, if the Hawks can kind of extend the series even more and we'll see what the other series are. You know, we'll reconvene on Friday. Yep. All right. So, Sid, uh, things are sort of starting to come normal out a little bit in the Grand Iron, the program. Well, we'll save the college stuff for last. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, full pads for all these teams. I mean, our buddy Mark Grody, you know, of course, you know, six seven the score, does satellite reporting. You know, I see Jeff Dickerson and all the way he does with, them, with the Bears over at ESPN Chicago. Dion Miller also – uh, our good, another one of our good friends, Kaylin Sharkey. You know, mm-hmm. She finally gets able to meet some of her, you know, her fellow, uh, you know, reporters. Um, Bears are in full pads. Everybody's in full pads. What are you expecting? Because we see, we see some of the clips, some of the, the pictures and stuff like that. Just seeing that, I think, makes me feel good that football is on its way back, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like we said before, since there's no preseason games this year, uh, how will the players adapt to this uh, quote-unquote new normal for this year because everybody has to uh, practice uh, social distancing except for when they're on the field. Um, uh, how, how will uh, these teams operate uh, both on and off the field? Who's going to be responsible? So uh, I'm interested to see how, how, how long and how much time these players are, are adapt uh, to these uh, new protocols. And uh, I wanted to ask you real quickly, Ken. Uh, I, I forgot this injury reminder off here. Did you get a chance to catch the first episode of HBO Part 9? I did. I did. I saw the first episode. It was sort of weird, right? I mean, 
you know, I, I think mm-hmm. like Anthony, Anthony Lynn, who is of course the head coach of the Chargers, sort of shared his story and how, you know, he had his, you know, dealt with the struggle of COVID-19. He wasn't, I guess he was officially diagnosed, but he was around somebody that had it and he had the, he had some mm-hmm. symptoms, but he wasn't really fully diagnosed. So he had to quarantine and everything. That was interesting to see. And the way they're filming it, though, Sid, I don't know. I don't know if you had, did you see the first episode yet? Yes, I did. Yeah. What do you think? Because I think the way they had it set up, I mean, you can tell that there's not going to be a lot of like, so there's, there's no training camp. So they will, I don't know how the cuts, how that's going to go, but it was sort of weird. I know the ratings were very good because I think people feel like, okay, there's not going to be no preseason. So what's the point? But mm-hmm. I, I, I liked it. So it's going to be just to see how, as, you know, as the season goes on, how they're going to be able to do this because how they're going to make some type of drama you know will it be sort of like the will it be the coaches be the more more focused will it be like the top picks will it be the veteran players mm-hmm. as we said before uh, on, on the last podcast um hbo and the nfl films have to be creative about how they're going to present this since there's no preseason games this year how many of those uh, underdog players or potential players are going to um, make the team how many of those players you're going to profile and like you said you get more heads uh, uh, time to the head coaches. If you notice, they gave a little bit more time to Sean McVay, the head coach of the, of the LA Rams. If you notice, he kept reminding his players during the meeting out because they had a meeting in outside. Uh, that all, don't be like the Miami Marlins. Let's be, be, we know we got to be responsible on the field, but off the field, you got to be the same way. I don't want us to become the Miami Marlins. Look at them right now. So if you, we, we got a glimpse of how certain teams are going to handle these protocols and these safety precautions for both on and off the field. And I think these other teams are probably doing it. They are doing the same thing, but how they are, are, are they doing it? So we, we got a glimpse of at least what the Chargers and the Rams are doing. I'm sure the other teams will have to do a, a similar thing. Yeah, like, yeah, like you said, Sid. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I, I'm sure it's not going to be any different from what the other teams are going to be doing. So, you know, this is going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see, you know, how all this unfolds with these two teams because they're, they're sharing the facilities, they're sharing the stadiums, you know, you know, ultimately. So it's going to be interesting to see how they Mm -hmm. film this, how all this will get filmed. Like I said, you know, a minute ago, what the focus is going to be on, because are they going to, you know, there's not going to be like no, you know, no uh, preseason games to to go by. So we just see, it will just be just performances, how you act you know, how you do with the workouts, you know, scrimmages and such. So we'll see. Did you see that one part? I think it was toward the end of the episode when they cut that one tight end. And yeah. he said he was taken off. And Coach Lynn said, you know, I know that you man, I like that you man, but just because of the way that the situation is with the pandemic, you know, guys are going down, yep. you know, uh, you know, say we might call you back up. So I want to see how, how really how, how they going to handle cut because usually when they they film cut they uh, they send the guys to whoever to come collect the playbook yep. to come down yeah. uh, to the general manager's office then they, and then the, uh, the head coach how are they going to handle cut day this year because you're not going to base it off a of preseason game because there's no preseason so how many practices how many Zoom meetings uh, practices are they going to have to evaluate players so uh, like we said before it's going to be interesting there. It, what's the roster size going to be because right. things are always changing and there hasn't been as a team outbreak of COVID. Um, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's going to be something that the NFL has to think about. I'm sure teams have thought about it. Mm, excuse me. Mm, sorry about that. Um, 
like I said, I mean, it's something teams are going to have to think about. I'm sure the NFL is thinking about it. We've been saying, you know, for months, Sid, since we started doing this Zoom style type show, that you are going to have to mm-hmm. maybe perhaps extend the roster. So just in case there is an outbreak, you've got guys there to kind of, you know, pick up the slack. So look, we've already seen some guys go down, you know, Trey, Trey, Wayne, Trey Wayne's with the Bengals. You know, he, he tore his pack. He's out for the year. Um, this is a, this is a tough one. Gerald McCoy just signed with the Cowboys. You know, left to left uh, the Bucks. You know, just when Tom Brady, you know, right before Tom Brady gets there, um, he tore some ligaments in his leg. He's going to be out. Um, Jalen Hurd, he's going to go to MRI, but they're saying that he might have torn his ACL. Uh, the wide receiver for the Forty ers So you've got guys going down already, and this is this stuff's not even COVID related. So you know. Yeah, this is sort of like one of those things where you may have to expand the rosters. Also, too, as I, I think I said it once or twice before on this program. I'll say it again. Since there's no preseason games this year, watch out for the amount of injuries during the month of September and early October because the preseason was canceled. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pulled hamstrings and ankle injuries. Hasn't been, I do mean, have a bit torn ACLs that you reported. A couple of players have suffered it already, and there has been no contact. I know most of the teams have started um, contact, you know, in practice today. So yep. we already know that head coaches like Sean Payton the Saints and Bill Belichick or Bill Belichick of the Patriots, they treat September like the preseason. Uh, looks like it, all the coaches will have to treat uh, the beginning of the season, assuming that it starts sometime, which I think it will. Uh, they'll have to treat September as the preseason because there's no games right now as far as preseason is concerned. So, it's going to be interesting, the amount of injuries. Hopefully we don't get a lot once the real games begin, but we may see a lot. I hope not, but we may see a lot because there's only so much you can do in practice. Right, yeah, I mean, especially that you can't, you can't really scrimmage too much. So, I mean, it's, it's going to, like I said, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, because we're, we're seeing some, like I said, we're, I just named a couple of big name guys that are, have already been injured. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, this is not, this isn't even COVID stuff. I mean, this is sort of like, you know, your mm-hmm. typical, you know, football injury. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see how teams adapt and respond, how players respond. So we'll see. Um, ESPN has released its new Monday Night Football crew. It'll be Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, former Chicago Bear, and Lewis Riddick. What do you think about that new trio? I know myself and Ken Davis from the Dean Davis show. Um, we talked about Lewis Ray. He, he was upset that he didn't get the Monday night job, a football job a couple of years ago. And I know uh, Lewis Ray has never up until this point now, hasn't done any uh, in-game analysis. I know he's great on sports center and NFL live, but I'm glad he's got this opportunity. You can bring a new fresh voice in there. I know he's a former player in a former front office executive. So I think from his vantage point, he knows how to break down uh, the game, and he know he knows what players' or tendencies are. So uh, I don't have a problem with that. I'm, I'm glad that he finally has the opportunity to do it. I think he's going to be great. See Levy, of course, you old school hockey fans who are listening to the show. Mm-hmm. He did uh, uh, the NHL when the uh, when the NHL was on ESPN from back in the day. So he has a great voice, and also he does college football for ABC as well. So. Uh, they have a good crew there. I'm really going to enjoy this crew. I am too. I mean, I, I already they they actually did one of the Monday night games last year, and they 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 mm-hmm. sounded really good together. And 
you know, don't forget Steve Levy and Brian Greasy, they did college football for they like four years together. You know, Steve's yeah. got that dry humor that can actually <laughs> he says some <laughs> off color things at times, you know. Greasy, I know some people say, well, he's kind of like his dad, you know, he's sort of like, but I've I've heard Brian say some interesting things too. He's got charisma and smarts just like his dad does. So mm-hmm. I think that I think that's a nice balance there. Of course, you know, Lewis brings his perspective and he says he says some funny things. People are like, oh, he's kind of boring. No, no, Lewis, if you if you listen to a Lewis can say some funny if you follow on Twitter too, yeah. he says some he can definitely say some funny things from time to time. So because we grew up, we can't go we can't go back to when it was, you know, um Howard Cosell, uh Frank Gifford, Don Meredith, you know, may God rest all their souls. We grew mm-hmm. up with, you know, God rest his soul, Frank Gifford and Al Michaels and Dan Deardorff. I mean, that's a, that was a really good crew, you know, for people are in our age range, Sid. Mm-hmm. There have been some various other people since that just ha- it just hasn't really. Maybe maybe when Al Michaels and, you know, John Gruden and uh, John Madden were doing it, you know, that, that but they were listening to like, didn't have that sort of pop. So I think yeah. people, I think most people just want to watch the games and if the, if the crew's great, then hey, it's, it's a bonus. Yeah, I agree there. Of course, uh, uh, it got said back when they brought in Dennis Miller from that for that one year. Oh, that was terrible. Mm-mm. Even yeah. though they had some great uh, games that year, I think it was 2000, I want to say it was. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> that did not work. And I know they brought in Tony Kornheiser a few years later when they ES, um, when Monday Night Football moved to ESPN. And um, Gruden, I think it was Gruden and Tarico. Yeah. And they brought in Kornheiser. That didn't work either. Yeah. I like Tony Kornheiser, but not as a game analyst. I'm sorry. No, it, it just didn't work. And actually, you know, Tariq and Gruden by themselves actually were, were a pretty good uh, tandem. Yeah. Last year, uh, no, it just it just didn't work. It, it just didn't. I, I think we love Joey, we love Joe Tessitore, but he belongs doing college football. And, and Booger, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think he was ready for that for that type of big stage. I just don't think he was ready for that. But, but like I said, this this is gonna be a, this should be a good tandem, and I, and I think look, like, if the long the games are good, you know, and if the, the crew's good, that's a bonus. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. All right, so some history made with the Washington football team. Jason Wright, who actually is a Chicagoan, mind you, you know, he played mm. at Northwest. Yeah, he played at that Northwest. I did not know. Yeah, he played at Northwestern um, in the early two thousands. I want to say. Because the name sounds familiar. Um, he played in the early 2000s. He was actually a pretty good running back. That was actually when Northwestern was actually really good. They were being like, they were being Michigan. They were beating Wisconsin. I think, I think they beat Wisconsin a couple of times during that time. And he was right there. But he's made history as becoming the first African-American uh, front office uh, guy. Well, a team president, if you I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, and also, he's the youngest, too. He's, only, he's our age, Sid, which makes us feel like uh, underachievers. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, but I think this is another this is another one of those sort of moves that the Washington football team is making. I mean, you look at his credentials, the guy's has the guy has great credentials. He has he has MBA. I mean, this is a guy that has you know earned his spot. He's sort of that one of those sort of people want to say, Oh, this is a token hire, this is this and that, but this guy has the credentials, so let's see. I I think I don't know if Dane thinks that Snyder's making these decisions or because we saw with our good friend Julie Donaldson, who's, you know, taking over media stuff, we're going to be doing radio mm-hmm. and, and, and that, and that sense. And also with this, with Mr. Wright now becoming the, you know, the, the league's first African-American team president. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of had those thoughts uh, crawling into my head. I heard some of those same things too this morning. Like, you know, uh, considering we're, 
uh, what the time period is in our country, but wherever the circumstances are, I hope that the organization lets him uh, do his job. Like you said, he has uh, the credentials. He's overqualified, to be honest with you. So uh, hopefully uh, the, uh, the higher-ups above him will leave him alone. Isaiah Snyder, let him do his job. Let him make the most that, that help better to watch the football team. And hopefully him and Ron Rivera will uh, work and in, in, in step by step with each other because I don't know, head coach Ron Rivera talks about changing the culture, changing uh, the image. And so, of course, they'll get the name changed after the season. But hopefully they can work together to coincide and help their uh, roster become one of the uh, top rosters in the league. But they have a long way to go. But this is a, another big step towards it. Yeah, I mean, he played, in, he played in the NFL for a few years, so he knows sort of the, the insights of the games. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, so he's kind of overqualified, but – you know, I, I think, look, as long mm-hmm. as they leave him, as long as, you know, dance, dance time, as long as they leave, he leaves, leaves him alone, lets him just do his job. I think they might be turning the mm-hmm. corner here in, in D.C. And also, too, consider this with his age, as you just mentioned, Link, you know, here's a person that's the president of a team that um, he's uh, a person that can, at, at his age, they can relate to the players, both young and old. And uh, he knows where they come from. Like he's been a player before. So the communication part of it uh, uh, relating to your guys is key. And so I think that's another reason why they hired him, uh, hired him here. Not here in Chicago, but with Washington. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I got what you said. Um, but, yeah, look, I, look yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, and we'll see what he does. I mean, you know, we, don't, we know how Ron Rivera is. You know, he means that we say he wants to change the culture. And they're, you know, so far, so good. You know, they're doing that. So. We'll see what they do. It should be interesting to see how he does in this real position. I mean, he, you hear him, you know, he was, he was making around this sort of like the morning show that I heard him on Good Morning America with Michael Strahan. You know, this guy, you know, very smart, very intelligent. So I, I think they made the right choice. And like you said, I think this is sort of like a way of for them to the Washington, especially with everything that came out, right? We, we talked about it, Sid, for, you know, a yeah, mm-hmm. few weeks back when it happened. So, I'm looking forward to what he does, and like you said, as long as you know Daniel Snyder leaves him alone and lets him do the do his thing and let him do his job, I think I think he'll be he'll be able to do just fine. Yeah. All right, Sid. So, all right. So let we save the I don't want to say the best for last, but um, so Justin Fields, who's a QB over at Ohio State. He wrote a petition that's, I think that's got like about 200,000 signatures, basically saying that we want to play and that it's safer for us to be playing and not to be on, you know, at home or, you know, and, and such. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I heard him too. I mean, I kind of, I kind of like sort of said to myself, okay, this guy could probably be one kind of like run for office or be a TV guy <laughs> years from now. Look, cause I, cause I remember, I remember hearing him, when he was a senior in high school, when he was a big time recruit, I heard him say, well, this, this guy's going to be, will probably be like a, a, not a top analyst once it all, once, you know, all, all said and done, you know, he's just that smart and, you know, very, you know, eloquent, you know, it's, you know, speech, but I understand where he's coming from. But when you have Brian Hanlon, who is the, the top medical expert for the NCAA saying, look, the way things are set up, the way things are right now, we can't bring sports back. And you hear like all other experts saying the same thing. I don't know what medical experts at the SEC and the Big 12, what they're talking about, <laughs> but at ACC too. But, you know, you see all these schools, they're saying, oh, we're going to press on, we're going to press on. I'm like, okay. I, 
I mean, look at look at what happened over in Oklahoma. They had like like eight or nine guys that test that tested positive for COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even you know, outside of the athletes' perspective, Oklahoma State there was a sorority house over at one of the sorority houses, like twenty twenty some of their their you know the sorority sisters got COVID. So that whole that whole you know that whole place is being is being quarantined. So and now now the parents of some of these Big Ten teams schools are sort of like. You know, we're writing letters saying that, look, we want our guys to play, you know, the risk, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's sort of disingenuous to compare a life-threatening disease that we're still learning about to a concussion or tearing your ACL or tearing, you know, your Achilles. I've talked enough, Sid. What do you think? Because I'm not going to get very, very angry (laughs) and I'm I'm going to go crazy. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to impede on your time. You know, I'll just say this. There's no comparison when you compare COVID-19 to football injuries. There is no comparison. Uh, we, like, well, we had Shannon Ryan from the Chicago Tribune on our last podcast, and she was saying that uh, one school may test in one way, but if you go play at another school at their place, or if that school comes to your place, will they be tested the same? And if they're not, it's a, it's a greater chance for you to catch uh, this virus. So, you, I, I don't blame these conferences, i.e. the Big Ten and the Pac-12, for not taking their way. So we all want to watch it as fans. Yes, we do. But as I said before, as we said before, in the beginning of this pandemic, whenever sports returns, if you don't have a safety protocol for the players and the fans, even though there's no fans in the same at the moment, but if you don't have a safety protocol for these players and people involved, sports should not go on. And this should be applied to college football. I know they see this. Big payday ahead of them at the end, but if you're going to risk risk uh, these young people's lives, who they cannot, they don't really, they have a voice, but they're not protected as far as unions are concerned or in association. So they are there to basically fight for themselves. Uh, you're saying that these, uh, what the NCAA is saying, and these university presidents and that are saying that these young people's lives, they are important as long as they do what we. What we say, but as, but we'll win it at all costs. But outside of that, they're not important to us, and, and I don't think that's right. No, no, it it really isn't right. And I think, look, ask Debbie Rucker. He's she's the mother of Brady Feeney, Brady Feeney, I should say, who's the old lineman for Indiana, who you know, had COVID and now mm-hmm. is having heart issues. Ask all the all these parents are saying we want our guys to play, we want our, our sons to play. Okay, well, ask her. And I'm sure she'll I'm sure she'll post something on her social media. I know she's on Facebook. I'm sure she'll post something and say, look, guys, it's not worth the risk. It really isn't. And you know, and I, I think that the lack of uniformity, Sid, you know, the fact that these conferences mm-hmm. and look, if you want to be mad at the, you know, the the Big Ten and Kevin Warren and these presidents for being unilateral and being proactive, you may have a point there and that's fine. But ask Maryland, do you really, and everything would happen with Jordan McNair last year who passed away mm-hmm. during workouts. And then you can find all types of other shady stuff was going on there that led to that. Do you really want, do you really want the school to go through that? I mean, people can say, oh, well, they can sign like non-disclosures and, you know, NDAs and medical blah, 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 waivers or whatever. That's not the point. A lot of these schools don't have the money to do all this, to accommodate all this, so. You know, I saw um, the SWAC, they've released their football schedule for the spring. I know a couple other conferences and FCS have done it too. So we'll see what mm-hmm. happens there. But uh, I'm going to say it right now, Sid. It's 154 Central Time here in Chicago, uh, August 17th. 
I have my right hand up. No, nobody's going to be playing college football this year. At least not, 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 at least not in the fall, not this fall anyway. That's my declaration. I have my right hand up and I agree with you as well. As you said before, uh, and I think this is going to happen. Uh, we've seen the Big Ten and the Pac-12 uh, uh, postponing their, their uh, fall sports until the spring. Uh, it's going to be a matter of time before the other three power conferences will do the same. And I just don't see how those three conferences will carry on. I know the paycheck is big, but do you really want to risk your health and the health of those young players for some money? And like you said, we, we still learn still a little bit more about this virus every single day. Uh, you really want to put uh, people's lives at risk for money because you, you can have all the money in the world. If your health is not in uh, good type of shape, it doesn't mean a damn thing if you have all the money. It really doesn't. I mean, if, you know, if God forbid someone, someone dies, you know, leave the football, the football uh, mm -hmm. aspect, all of it, but you know, what if someone, what if like a soccer player or a women's volleyball player, what if somebody there dies and your school mm -hmm. is being held liable, you're, you're basically screwed yeah. because you're trying to over here. I mean, but the last thing they wanted, you know, they don't want to make any money. I mean, okay, let, let, let's not be disingenuous here, kids. They want to make money, but it's just that it, it just isn't feasible. Yeah, especially with uh, certain schools uh, uh, cutting out certain programs uh, from their campuses and universities. Uh, they're not going to have the money to, to pay these athletes having to get something happens to uh, one of the other players uh, if they have to catch this virus. So the schools uh, got to be, uh, be careful here because they're already at a financial strait there because of not having the college football season, not having fall sports going on right now. So money is tight at these universities already. So uh, like, like you said, like, if, uh, if there's been something serious going uh, to happen uh, to these uh, participants uh, catching COVID-19, it's going to be uh, on them. Like the lawsuits will be up to Wazoo, and it's going to be a stain on, on those universities forever. Yeah, so like you said, I know the SEC, they're having this big, you know, schedule release tonight on the SEC network. Yeah, you won't be playing this fall, folks. I'm I'm sorry. I know SEC, they live and breathe football and, you know, that, but I'm serious. I mean, I know that these, these some of these, these restaurants and these other places, they depend on that money for the fall, but it's just not, mm -hmm. it just isn't feasible, especially when you only have like three conferences. I know the other conferences are saying that, look, we're going to go ahead, but I just don't see it happening at this point. I just don't. And there's nobody needs to kind of like jump in and say, okay, you know what? No, we're, we're not going to do this. We don't want the liability. Yeah, okay. and that's smart for these schools to do because like, like we mentioned before on, on previous podcasts, um, the, the amount of money that it takes to test these players, uh, the cost for these tests, how many times are you going to test these players? Are you going to test them every other day, daily, twice a week? three times a week. Now, uh, not all schools only even playing fair, as we all know. Right. Right. So, yeah, like I said, I mean, I give it, I give it maybe another week or two before, you know, that maybe some, some people may intervene here. And look, look, I, look, I commend Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and some of these, Spencer Ratner, who was supposed to be the heir apparent over at Oklahoma for Jalen Hurts. But I, mm -hmm. I, look, I, I'm, I'm like, look, we love college football as much as everybody does, but this season, especially in the fall, it's just, it's just not realistic. I'm sorry. And I know 
you know, we want to play, we want to play, but it just isn't, it's just isn't feasible. I'm sorry. All right. You got anything else on your mind? It is. Yeah. Anything else on your mind? Um, just look at, yeah, just wrapping them real quick. I'm looking forward to the NBA playoffs, which is uh, kicking off right now. Uh, can the Hawks stay alive in game five of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Um, Baseball-wise, uh, how will the Cubs do in this five-game series against the Cardinals? And even though the Cardinals, I think mean, a few of those games will be the home team in, right. in that series. And the ones I can build off of Sunday's win against St. Louis, they need to take at least two out of – I think it's a three-game series against the Tigers this week. Yeah. I think it's a three- or four-game series. Yeah, it's three. Well, they, they need to win that series against the Tigers before the big showdown next week in their league against the Cubs. <laughs> Oh yeah, there won't be. Well, yeah, but there won't be any fans there, so I think that's probably a good thing. But uh, yeah, looking forward to that. I mean, um, Denver is up on Utah right now. You know, got the game going on right now on ESPN. They're in the third. They just start about to start the third quarter. So game one there. Um, so good one tonight. You got the Nets and the Raptors, the Sixers in Boston, also Dallas and the Clippers. Those should all be some good ones. ESPN got a quadruple header mm-hmm. today and to tonight. Um, I'm looking forward to see if the Cubs can get back on track. We'll see if the White Sox can kind of stay on track. Um, and, uh, yeah, and also the playoffs. We'll see if the Hawks can extend the series again. We'll see how some of these other teams, you know, these other these other uh, games and all these series, you know, who you know, can pull off the upset, if there are going to be any big upsets, how they're going to receive these. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'll leave you guys – oh, I'll call it pass. I'll leave you guys with this. K. Vincent Jr., who's one of the top corners, you know, people are saying that he could be a top, you know, first-round pick next year. He's opting out. He plays at LSU. So, you know, all these people, are, all these folks, all you guys in the South saying, we want to play, we want to play. This Here's one of your top players in the defending champions saying, nope, I'm good. I'm going to prep for the draft. So there might be more. We'll never know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. All right. You follow me at Keita McGee on Twitter, at Keita underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow yours truly, SayKid80 on Twitter and Instagram at SayKid80. Once again, at SayKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can read all of our articles at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And yes, uh, this program, along with others from the War Media Outlets, we are War on Anchor. Download the iHeartRadio app. Just type in War on Anchor in the search engine box. And our programs, including this one, Second City Sports, will come up. So, uh, we are also on all other podcast download platforms. So, but download the iHeartRadio app, type in War on Anchor, it will pop up there. Also, same on YouTube. So, you can see our lovely faces. So, you, mm-hmm. can, you can listen to us, you can watch us, you know, whatever Yay. you want to do. <laughs> yeah. So, for Sid. Mm-hmm. So for Sid, I'm Lakina. This has been Second Seed Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you Friday. Stay safe, everybody. See you next time. See you next time. Holla!